Poppin' the Christian Bubble. It is now time for the Cultured Christian Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode is sponsored by, well, no one, because we're still small. But someday, hopefully, by companies like Apple and Amazon. Christopher Nolan's latest movie has a second trailer out. We talk again about social media censorship. SpaceX has a successful launch putting men back into space from America. Instagram now has video calls. And a Christian artist no longer believes in God. All this and more coming up on today's episode of the Cultured Christian Podcast. Episode 13. Thanks for tuning in today, y'all. We are not skipping episode 13. Did you realize that there are hotels today on planet Earth that literally do not have a 13th floor because of superstition? Yeah, kind of crazy. We don't believe in that crap. So we are going to have this here, the unlucky, lucky 13th episode, and we have got a packed episode for you. So I'm not going to say much at the start here, and we're going to dive right on into our culture section. Now, I've not been shy on this podcast that I am a huge, huge movie fan. That is by far one of the top things that I love about culture is going to the movies, watching the movies, all that stuff. And today I wanted to start out with Christopher Nolan. He is a producer, a writer, a director, and I wonder if you're a big a fan as I am of this guy. The most recent films... Uh, Dunkirk came out, and then previous to that was Interstellar. Both of those films, phenomenal films. Interstellar, I think I've watched probably five times now. Recently just rewatched it. Amazed every time I watch it. There's so many angles, so many levels uh, of that that I love. Uh, he did Man of Steel, Superman, not much of a Superman guy. Of course, The Dark Knight Rises, the movie Inception, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on of great, great films from Christopher Nolan. And so this summer, July, I believe, 2020, it's still on, even though it may be delayed or moved to the fall. But in theaters, he is releasing a movie called Tenet, T-E-N-E-T. Same spelling forwards and backwards, and that's very intentional. If you haven't seen any of the trailers for this film, stop the podcast right now. Go over to YouTube. There's a few of them out. They just released one um, recently. It's like, I think, the second or third trailer, and it just looks so good. It's just classic Christopher Nolan Again, not giving anything away because it's just in the trailer form right now, but it's kind of the time-shifting sort of thing. It goes to like Inception was about dreams, of course, but the dream within the dream and the bending of time, that's a theme you see in a lot of his movies. Interstellar, of course, was the same thing. Going on these other planets was different... um, variations on time and you know it would be years back home on earth and it was just a few minutes on this planet and so I am super super excited about this coming film Tenet this summer but one thing I wanted to comment on was this Fortnite debut of this latest trailer so Fortnite has 
great. I mean, this thing, I, I keep wanting to give up Fortnite, but there's always that one friend that wants to play Fortnite or somebody that just wants to go back there. And it, it is one of those games that's just fun because you don't have to work maybe as hard as Call of Duty or some of these other games. So it's a good late night game. You've had a few beverages and you just want to hang out with your friend. But one thing that I love that Fortnite does, those guys over at Epic, they are constantly looking for new ways to draw interest back to their to their game. And so they actually released the trailer inside of Fortnite. Like that's crazy inside of a video game. Like they've done a few of these things now where they've done like a concert or like a new song or, you know, something happens inside of Fortnite, like an actual event that everybody that logs into the game at that time participates in this shared uh, moment together and then they tell all their friends about it and that's obviously why they're uh, doing this thing so if you haven't seen the previews to Christopher Nolan's Tenet film definitely check it out it's coming out July 17th is the release date and he says that there's no way his film is going to be released in digital form so a lot of movies during the pandemic have been going straight to you could pay 20 bucks and watch it on a streaming service, but he understands and I appreciate that this is a film for the big screen. We want to go to a big theater and see it in all of its shining glory. So I'm happy to hear that from Christopher Nolan and his team there. So can't wait till summer to see Tenant. When I say the name Michael Moore, what comes to mind? Now, this is kind of like the theme of today's episode. Apparently, we're going to talk about directors today. Michael Moore is a controversial film director, and he's one of these guys that most people have an opinion about. Again, you either love him, you hate him, you've never heard of him. Those are kind of the three options. He's known for bowling for Columbine, which was kind of anti-NRA or was very much anti-NRA. There's the anti-Bush movie in the Iraq War, Fahrenheit 9-11, and he's known for a lot of films. He's from Michigan, so there's kind of the local connection here. He goes back to, I believe the film Roger and Me is about Flint, Michigan, and just the auto industry. And anyways, him and a buddy of his, this guy named Jeff Gibbs, who... Apparently, he's more the guy you see him in the film, and it looks like he's the one who's put more of the effort into the film. Michael Moore, I think, is just a name attached to it so that it got attention because no one knows who the heck Jeff Gibbs is. Um, but anyways, there was this film that was released for free on YouTube, and I had a few friends share it with me as something to check out. Again, I'm not known as a Michael Moore fan. I've watched a bunch of his films. I think there's some value to that kind of documentary that Michael Moore puts out. And so I checked it out. And I found it to be one of the most interesting ones because it addresses climate change and gets into asking the why question, like digging deeper is the idea. Like why are politicians so into climate change? Some politicians are so into climate change and why are other politicians not into climate change? Do they genuinely care about the earth? Do they genuinely care about improving the planet? All those things are great questions to ask, but most people just buy into a concept if they like the politician or they think that the issue is important. But this film, what I appreciated about it is Jeff Gibbs is 
very unabashedly uh, liberal in his political views. And yet he's going into the lion's den and actually putting up a mirror and challenging some of the liberal positions on climate change and really draws home some of these ideas about how, well, most people that are driving these positions, these changes that they want made, actually have a financial invested interest in these things. So like switching over from one type of fuel to another actually financially would benefit them. And again, I'm probably not doing it a great amount of justice, but it was very, very interesting. And I'm sure there's some criticism, some fair that, you know, he brought up, you know, stats and things, but they actually have their own website that the name of, I probably should have already told you the name of it is called planet of the humans, obviously playing off of the planet of the apes and the title, The Planet of the Humans, you can go to their website, and he actually has a fair amount of data there backing up what this film goes into. So I found that, again, to be helpful. We need that sort of thing into today's world. And so, again, very interesting. I encourage you to check it out. Uh, but unfortunately, I have to share with you that it was pulled. It was pulled off of YouTube off of the internet. I don't know if you can find it now, but this is just as of a few weeks ago after like 8.3 million views in just a month, it was pulled. And YouTube saying that it was pulled for a, uh, what do you call it? A copyright infringement. There was something that was used in the film that they didn't have the rights to. And so boom, they pulled it. But as with a lot of things in our day and age, there's a lot of people crying foul that it was, as he calls it, a blatant act of censorship. That here's this film again, exposing a lot of people by name, a lot of industries, a lot of fuel sources by name, and suddenly whew, it's gone, poof, out of thin air. And I talked in a previous episode about uh, censorship. I think it was episode nine, and I talked about Facebook censoring some of the protests against the quarantine, how there were certain groups and things that just vanished, just gone. And I think, again, it brings up something that is a healthy, good debate for our First Amendment rights. You know, we have the freedom of speech in America, in this country. That is a very important right that all of us are given as Americans, you're born in this country, you have this this right, and a lot of people fight for it, have fought for it in various ways. And so now we're in 2020, right? And we have all these massive social media platforms, which are run as private companies, have all sorts of boards, and they're all for, you know, financial interest, just like I was saying, with this climate change documentary. All these companies are for profit, they have financial uh, interests. They are publicly traded a lot of times. And now they are moving into a phase where they are seeking more so than ever to censor things from their platforms. And we just saw this with this climate change film pulled from YouTube, gone out, out of, out of thin air, just boom, poof, gone. That's the thing that that's hard and kind of feels like 1984 to me today. Again, I don't want to be political, whatever side of the aisle you're on. 
If you're on no side of the aisle, you are welcome here, and this is not a political podcast. The thing that I'm challenging is that if you're a member of one of these groups or a director of a film or you have some post that goes viral and it's just evaporated, erased, like someone just vaporizes it, that is... I guess it's, I think it's one of those things you have to feel, you have to be a part of yourself to really know the pain of it, but the degree to which it just doesn't, doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel American. Now, again, please understand, I'm not advocating for there to be no censorship. A lot of people go to this black and white, it has to be this or that, complete freedom or no freedom. I'm talking the messy middle again. If you've listened to this podcast episode two, I'm talking about the messy middle. We have to find a middle ground in between the two extremes because, of course, I don't think that Facebook should allow the, what was it, New Zealand, the guy on Facebook to be live streaming as he's shooting people. No, that should not be allowed. That is not protected. However, I think there is a, large body of evidence now that if a group of people in said company, Google, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you name it, if they don't agree with your agenda or your ideology, again, left or right, you're subject to being censored. The spotlight comes on your project, on your post, and you get pulled, gone. And I don't know. I, I think it's, again, I, I like the dialogue. I like the discussion. I think there's more to be had. Speaking of Facebook and censorship, Facebook is beginning to, it sounds like the Zuck is beginning to look at having an oversight board for content moderation. Now, this would be as some, I think it was that The Verge was calling it, it's kind of like going into the direction of a Supreme Court that you can kind of bring, challenge, appeal your case, if you will. And there will be 20 members of this board, this oversight board. It's an independent body that can overturn some of their own content moderation decisions. So if you're a conservative poster, uh, uh, somebody who's on a, a channel that you know other people don't like and people don't like the post or the something and they call it out and then it gets yanked, it gets pulled, you can take it to this oversight board and they can review it and decide whether or not it was fair and it should be reenacted. I think this is a good, good step. I think that, you know, again, a lot of these things, we can poke holes in it. It still needs to be uh, talked through and understood more, but I think it's a step in the right direction because people in America need to feel, we need to feel like we have a process, a methodology, a way that our voice won't be just silenced and snuffed out for whatever reason. Again, think of this film here, liberal director attacking liberals, boom, he's gone. Whoever you are, whatever you're about, I think you should be able to appeal your case. It should be able to be reviewed and people should be held accountable. It shouldn't just be, well, sorry, you're gone or your film or whatever is just eliminated. The article that I'm sharing here, what I'm reading from, is that Facebook has pledged to give this board, the oversight board, $130 million uh, last December. 
So they're, they're investing in this. They're getting into it. And time will tell if this is just a publicity stunt, just a way for them to say, hey, look what we're doing to combat this, or if it really is true and sound and that people can appeal and we start to see some movement in that direction. Again, I think it's a good move on Facebook's part, and I hope to see more of that. I think growing up in the 90s, you know, the internet was the Wild West. I think back to the days where you could be anonymous. You could be whoever. It's like, uh, what's that film from the book? Uh, Ready Player One with the Oasis. You know, you put the VR glasses on. Gosh, I hope in my lifetime I get to experience that. But the idea is that back then you used to enter into the internet and you could be anyone or anything, any animal, whatever. You could be whoever you wanted to be. And that was a really... I think there was value to that. I think there was good elements of being anonymous. There are good elements to being anonymous on the internet. However, there obviously is drastically huge downsides to being anonymous and people ruin it for everyone and turn it into all sorts of abuses and bullying. And again, there's a lot of bad elements to that. So it's a, it's a weird thing. It's There's few places on the internet now where you can truly be anonymous. Everybody wants you to verify with an actual phone number. Again, for the most part, I think those are good things. Those keep people accountable. I don't want children or, you know, the elderly or whatever to be scammed or put into dangerous situations by anonymous people. But I think in that transition from mid 90s, nine, yeah, 1995, 96, when the internet started taking off with AOL to the present, we've lost some things and we've we gained some things too. But I think that this again is a step in the right direction because we don't want, I don't want, I hope you don't want a society where a group of powerful people, men and women can just silence uh, an entire segment of a society, a minority group or a majority group, just eliminate them because, well, we don't share that same ideology, that same agenda. So good move on Facebook. It'll be interested to see what happens with this film. I'd be interested to know. I searched today and I, I couldn't find this film. I, I'm surprised that someone hasn't loaded it up somewhere else, but maybe you could find it. Google Planet of the Humans, Michael Moore documentary. Love to hear your thoughts on it. Did you feel like it was one of Michael Moore's better films or was it lame? Let me know in the comments. Do it. Where were you at about three in the afternoon on Saturday, May 30th, 2020? Well, I'll tell you where I was. I was speeding down a freeway about 70 miles an hour on I-4 in the middle of Florida, about 100 miles west of Cape Canaveral. And I'd love to tell you that I was fully paying attention to the road, but I was also paying attention to my cell phone, which was on the center dial right by the speedometer. And I was watching live on Twitter as SpaceX and NASA launched three NASA astronauts into outer space to the International Space Station. It was the first time in nine years since they retired the shuttle. Remember the old space shuttle from years and years ago? They retired because they found it was dangerous. Men from America, astronauts from America, were having to go up to the space station on Russian 
rockets. And so this was the first time, huge, that SpaceX, a private company with reusable rockets, Elon Musk started this company 18 years ago, and they've been moving towards this goal of a manned mission to outer space. The long-term goal, right, is Mars. They want to go to Mars. They want to start a settlement on the surface of Mars. But this past Saturday, a huge giant leap was taken in that direction, and the Dragon Crew Dragon spacecraft went into outer space on a Falcon 9 rocket. I loved watching this thing. I was so happy to hear that it went off without any problems other than the weather delay. There was a weather delay earlier in the week, but nonetheless, they got it up there. They are now on the International Space Station. I think the coolest thing about the SpaceX program is they have video cameras on just about every piece of that rocket. So you're seeing the separation, you're seeing it from the ground, you're seeing now in the crew quarters, the, the men in the crew quarters thing, you're seeing the rocket land itself on the drone ship out in the middle of the ocean, the barge. It's just so incredible now with technology, how in real time on Twitter, as I'm driving down the freeway, we can log in and watch things happen live in outer space. It really does just connect to that little boy inside of me that is wide-eyed, full of wonder and curiosity. That's why I love space. I still love looking up at the moon in the middle of the day when you see the moon out in the blue sky, thinking that people walked on that late at night up in northern Michigan, walking out on the dock and looking up and seeing galaxies stars, the Milky Way all over. Love all that sort of stuff. And we talked about Elon a couple episodes back, and he can be, again, a polarizing figure, but you have to give it to this man. The effort him and his team have put into SpaceX and being able to achieve what they did and how much money that space program has saved by using reusable rockets is pretty stinking amazing. I want to share a clip, if you haven't seen it, of him at a press conference sharing just his feelings, his emotion. He's overcome with emotion as this reality of 18 years of effort has come into fruition. So check this out. Oh, I'd like to just, uh, uh, yeah, uh, acknowledge the incredible work of the people at SpaceX and, and NASA and everyone in, in uh, creating this technology and in, uh, in what has culminated in this incredible launch today of getting astronauts back to orbit after almost a decade. Um, I think this is something that should really get people, I mean, right on the heart of anyone who is, uh, has any spirit of exploration. And the United States is a distillation of the human spirit of exploration. I think this is something that's particularly important um, in the United States, but appeals to everyone with the, uh, throughout the world who has within them the spirit of exploration. So, um, I mean, I'm really quite overcome uh, with emotion on uh, this day. It's, it's kind of hard to talk, frankly. Um, it's been 18 years working towards this goal, so it's, it's hard to believe that it's happened. Um, and we haven't quite yet docked at the space station, and of course we need to bring them back safely, and we need to repeat this, these missions um, and have this be a regular occurrence. Um, so it's a lot of work to do, uh, but uh, it's, uh, it's just incredible. I, I think this is, 
something that everyone, you know, it's, this is a, a craft made by humans, you know, for humans. This is like something that I think humanity should be excited about and proud of occurring on this day. And many of us are, Elon. Way to go. Way to go, SpaceX team. Super excited to see where you take us next. You know what the world needs more of? The world needs more video apps, like video call apps that you can call your friends and have a video chat with, a group video chat. We need more of that. And I'm being facetious because... If you have a cell phone, a smartphone, there's probably 60 different ways now that you can make a video call with some of your friends. People are getting on board with this more so in the pandemic. Apps like House Party and Marco Polo have risen back up to the top of the app lists in the app stores. But I just read an article that now Instagram, you know, your little photo app in your phone that we all share our stories and our photos on, you can do video calls with up to 50 people right from within Instagram. Crazy. I haven't used it. I have no idea how good it is, but you can now make video calls if you need to with your Instagram friends. Maybe you have friends there that don't have your phone number. Maybe that would be an application of that feature. You wouldn't want them to have your phone number, but hey, now you can video chat with up to 60 people. And Instagram, which is a company of Facebook, Facebook bought them years ago. Facebook has also implemented Rooms, which is basically their messenger app. You can put a bunch of people in a room and again, do a video chat. I see this now. It's yet another thing in my newsfeed that I can't get rid of. Another unnecessary thing that I'm not using and I don't have the option to delete it. If you're listening, Facebook, give us the freaking option to delete some of these things that we never use. But hey, again, if people want to connect on Facebook, I use Facebook Messenger. It's a great way for me to connect with friends across the country, and it's it's fine. But I just, I guess my generation, I feel like my generation is this middle generation that I don't use video calls that much. I've done it more so in the pandemic, living as a single person. It's nice to see people through the camera, but I also find them kind of awkward because you have to, you know nicen yourself up a little bit, look a certain way to do a video call versus an audio call or texting. You can just be sprawled out on the co the couch, you know, like lighting. You have to think through lighting and is there something in my nose or whatever, you know? So I don't know. It's, it's fun. It's cool to see these companies are adding these uh, options, but I say it's a little too little too late, you know, kind of thing, because we've already I've already got House Party. I've already got all these other apps. And if you have an iPhone, you can FaceTime. So you don't even really need these third party apps. Um, but hey, if you haven't jumped on any of those third party apps and you're a Facebook person or an Instagram person, there it is right within your app. So I guess that's a positive. You don't need to get a new app. You can just use the one that's already on your phone. So if that interests you, check out Instagram video calls, 60 people. I'd want to see one of these. I bet if you Google it, there's got to be some funny calls out there because anything over five or six, I think, would just be insanely annoying with everybody talking at once. But hey, if you're into that, check it out. Maybe someday we'll have a cultured Christians Instagram room video call thingamajigger. I don't know. That's something you'd be into. Message us. Let us know.
All right, for our last story here in the tech section, I want to talk about lasers. How much interaction have you had with lasers? Like, I feel like we've all had that class in high school where we played with lasers. You know, the science teacher brought some laser out and there was maybe smoke in the room to show the laser light going through it. Uh, but where else has there been application of lasers in your life? Um, the most significant for me was many years ago now, I had LASIK surgery, which uses a laser, not a LASIK, a laser to reshape your cornea, like burns your cornea. And it was one of the most surreal, weird, crazy experiences of my entire life. Going in there and having part of, you're awake, having part of your eye cut off and then you go into another room and you have a laser literally burn it and you smell, that was the worst part, you smelled the burning cornea and then they put the thing back over your eye, you put this cover over your eyes, you go home, you take a Valium, they tell you to sleep for four hours and you wake up and it's like a modern day miracle. I can see my bedroom clock on the nightstand without glasses. It was amazing. Awesome. So for me, that's the best story I've got of the use of a laser in my life. But I saw an article that was just kind of one of these, like I had to do a double take, but it was really cool once I started reading through it, that there is a U.S. Navy ship article from just a few weeks ago that they used a laser on the ship this USS Portland disabled a flying drone with a solid state laser. So basically this is like Star Wars happening. This Navy vessel just, you know, just blows this laser up into the sky and eliminates this threat. And the best part is you can watch some of this happening on this link that I'm going to share in the show notes. They show you this happening. And obviously they're doing that partially to show our enemies, hey, we're capable of this sort of stuff. But the Navy says that they're doing this because there's like increasing number of threats, UAVs, armed small boats, surveillance and reconnaissance systems. Obviously, now that technology is getting into this drone world where these small devices can uh, fly into an area rather quickly and not be tracked on radar or at the last second show up, it's important that they're able to have this kind of technology to, again, eliminate the threat very quickly, where normally it would have just been missiles that were launched. But they're saying that these will give them new opportunities to defend against these new threats that are coming in. So if you're into that stuff, Navy, it's really cool. I love hearing that the United States is developing. There's so many things. This is the other thing I like to think about with military tech is there are so many things that we are unaware of. Like the stuff that we are aware of is really amazing and awesome, powerful, cool things. But you know, too, that all these classified things that we are unaware of are a next level of tech, you know, like GPS and different things, different technologies have been declassified over the years and brought into civilian life. And it's just neat to think like, what is our military using right now that none of us have any idea of? Like, that's just cool to me to think that there's stuff out there that in 10 years will be made aware of. But right now it's top secret because it's being used to keep us safe from uh, threats. So anyways, lasers on a ship, pretty freaking cool. And yeah, if you haven't got LASIK, 
man, go do that because that is worth every stinking dollar to be able to see. In our faith section this week, I want to zero in on the faith of one individual on here, planet Earth. But before I do, I want to launch into kind of a segue here, and that is sometimes in this podcast, you know, 13 episodes in, you'll kind of get the drift that we're really not about or into Christian entertainment here. In fact, we say right at the start of each episode, we're popping the Christian bubble. The vision, the idea is that you can be a Christian You can actually be a pretty stinking good Christian, follow God, read the Bible, attend church, maybe not attend church, but you're just not into the Christian entertainment stuff. You know, the movies, the music, the colleges, the closed in, hermetically sealed Christian community stuff, right? And so every once in a while, a story comes out like the one I'm going to share with you today. It was over on Fox News and it had this shocking title, a little clickbaity, but is true. Like it's not lying in the title. It says this. It says Christian singer makes shocking announcement. I no longer believe in God. John Steingard of Hawk Nelson is the guy who made this announcement on Instagram. He's the son of a pastor and grew up in a Christian home, and he says in this post that he did, I find he's, I no longer believe in God. And the thing that I appreciated, I want to first say that I appreciate the honesty. I appreciate that he said uh, he could no longer sing these songs in good conscience, and I, I resonate with that. I think that that's awesome. I think it's great that He's being authentic and real. That's, again, another value that we have here in this podcast is being real, not being fake. And the last thing Christians need is more fake Christians, people who aren't really Christian leading them from the stage. And so for me, though, you know, my dislike of Christian entertainment came from in my early years of my faith. I started back in church when I was about 16, 17 years old, started attending a large church in the area. And for the first time, a lot of the Bible and singing and all the stuff made sense. It finally connected with me, right? And it was awesome. It was really one of the most spiritually profound, loud uh, seasons in my life. I often look back on that and I get it looking back. Sometimes life can be a little bit more rose colored glasses, you know, our past can be, but it really was a very formative, uh, time for my faith, my late teens, early twenties In attending this church, this church in Metro Detroit was kind of the hub for Christian entertainment. We did a lot of the Christian concerts because it was a large auditorium, state-of-the-art, all that kind of stuff. Instead of trying to fill the palace of Auburn Hills or, you know, some big Comerica park wasn't there yet, but, you know, Tiger Stadium, whatever, trying to fill those big arenas with a Christian audience, well, they couldn't get that many people anyways, and the money would just be too expensive, so they would often come to our church. And as a new youth volunteer and then part-time youth pastor, I had a front row seat often to these concerts. We would sell tickets to our teens or maybe we'd get a discount and we'd have our teens go to these shows. So a lot of times I would be there having a pizza party before this thing and we'd have a meet and greet. You know, they'd want to know, does your church want to meet the band? And I'm like, not really, but 
Um, so I saw, again, I had a front row seat, our teen girls like just drooling over these Christian entertainers, these guys wearing basically leather pants. Uh, you know, some of them themselves are only in their upper teens or low twenties, you know, chiseled bodies just up there singing for the Lord Jesus. And yet our girls are, you know, getting all crazy after them, you know, wanting their autograph and wanting their CD and their t-shirt and all this stuff. And I just, after a while, it just started bugging me that this was no different. You, you fill in the artist, the secular, I'm using quotes here, secular artist, the kids are acting no different. It's the same sort of celebrity worship pull. And one time I remember watching a few of the bands. I won't say the band because I just don't want to do that and be that guy. But it was a Christian boy band, basically, back in the day, back when boy bands were the thing, you know, five cute guys and they had auto-tune. And I remember seeing the guy walk out to his bus and he was smoking. Now, again, zero condemnation to those of you who smoke. I have a lot of friends and people who vape or smoke. This isn't about that. I'm not going there. But for me, seeing him smoke as he walked out to his bus was a game changer for me because I saw the real person. That w that wasn't the image that the Christian artist was standing up on a stage and presenting him or herself to this room full of Christian teens, right? They're, they're often not living what they're selling, right? They're selling, literally sometimes, right? They're selling tickets. They're selling merchandise. They're selling this idea. And it bothered me too because there'd be a lot of parents of these teens that I was a youth pastor over. They would be totally fine with any Christian. You put Christian in front of it, they're fine with it. That was safe, again, in quotes, right? Safe music. As long as it doesn't have a swear word in it or it's not secular, it's perfect. It's okay. We're insulating our teens, our teens. And parents, if you're listening, even though I'm not a parent, I love teens too. I've walked in their their world alongside you through many ups and downs. I understand the uh, perspective of wanting to insulate your kid from danger, from negative influences. Again, I can get behind some of that. But you're ultimately never going to completely insulate and isolate them from whatever. You know, the world is a dangerous place. It's going to have an influence on them to some degree. And so what I'm an advocate for, and you'll hear that a lot through this podcast, is I want to teach people to think critically. Let people decide for themselves when it comes to culture and technology and faith. Think, teach them how to think, not tell them what to think. And I think a lot of times pastors, youth pastors, we do this. We, we have this thing in Christendom where we just tell people what to think. Here's how you're supposed to think on this issue. Here's who you're supposed to vote for. Here's what we watch. Here's what we listen to. And here's what we don't watch. And here's who we don't vote for, right? People aren't taught critical thinking skills anymore. We're taught just what to think. And everybody kind of follows along. Again, that's a lot easier than doing the math, doing the harder work of thinking why. Well, why should we fill in the blank, right? And so I'm kind of on a little bit of a rabbit trail here, but I think, again, I want to share some verses on being authentic, being real. I love seeing that some Christian artists, fellow Christian artists, responded to this guy's Instagram post with 
support and love. I think that's the right way to go about it. And I also think it was cool what he said. This is the the guy who said he no longer believes in God. He said this at the end. He said, I am open to the idea that God is there. I'd prefer if he was. I suspect if he is there, he is very different than what I was taught. And that, again, is a profound statement because I think a lot of times the God that we grew up with ends up being off, ends up being wrong, ends up being not God. And we have to go through this transition, this moment in our life where we're awakened to, it's like we wake up from a dream to a reality that the God we may have worshipped for many years of our lives isn't the true God. Now, don't mistake what I'm saying here or not saying. I'm not a universalist. I don't think all roads lead to God. I believe in the Christian God, the God of the Bible. But a lot of times there's so much junk attached to God and our belief in God that we just have all this gunk. It's like someone said, I think it was Mark Driscoll at a conference when I was again, in those formative years of my faith. And he talked about the gospel being this beautiful jewel, this shining diamond that over the years has rolled down this dunghill, like this crap-filled hill, and it attaches, all that crap gets on the gospel, gets attached to it, all these extra things. And part of our job as we mature in our faith is to clean off the crap and get to the beautiful amazing, life-changing, life-transforming gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the goal of life, ultimately, is to become like Jesus, to move in that direction. And so, I'm a fan, whether you're a Christian entertainer, whether you're a bus driver, a policeman, a teacher, a medical worker, whatever you, you are, wherever you come at this podcast from, I want your faith to be real, and I want you to be real with yourself and real with God. And that's the positive thing that I see happening here with this this guy from Hawk Nelson is he's being real. I don't like it necessarily because I think when it's out there on Instagram, it becomes used by atheists. It becomes used by, quote unquote, the other side to, you know, move people in that direction. But I do think the value of authenticity is one here that we want to call out. So I want to share a few verses. First, I want to read from James chapter 2. If you've never read James, highly recommend that book. It is a great book. James chapter 2, verses 18 through 24-ish here. It says this, it says, But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that said, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. There's this marriage here, if you will, of faith and deeds. It's our belief, our faith in God, 
plus we live it out authentically. If you just say, well, I believe in God. Cool. They said in this passage, James says the demons believe that it doesn't mean they worship God. It doesn't mean they live for God. They believe he exists, but there's another aspect of our faith. We have to authentically be living it out. And that's where people see that it's real or it's fake is if we are in fact living it out. Romans 12.9 says this, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Such powerful words in light of what's going on in our world today, from the pandemic to this racial divide, all this stuff, this unrest in our country. As Christians, man, Romans 12.9 speaks right at the heart of it. Love must be sincere. In other words, love can't be faked. We can't get up on a stage and pretend we love other Christians if we don't. Or we love God and we pretend to sing certain songs when we really don't. That's inauthentic, not sincere. And lastly, I want to share with you from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1-5. through 5. This is Paul, perhaps one of the greatest in our faith. I think one of the greatest guys of our faith. And it starts with this in, in verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Isn't that an awesome passage? And I love that about the Bible. That's one of the ways, if you're new to this faith thing, that's one of the ways you know you can trust the Bible. You may say, oh, there's all sorts of errors, and you've heard this, and you've heard that. You want to know one thing that points to, I think, the authenticity of the Bible itself, the books of the Bible, is that they're real. Like, they're not faking it. You read a lot of other cult scriptures or cult books, you know, it's like it's a little too shiny, a little too perfect, you know, like just like you think it would be if someone was trying to pull one over on you. But Paul says here, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. That is not something someone would say if they were faking it. Like that's an authentic statement. I was afraid, man. I was trembling. And and I'm, I know that I don't have a lot of eloquence in the way that I speak. I don't have a lot of wisdom on the human human stuff. I just came to you and preached Christ. Like that's authenticity. Paul's being real. He's stepping into that. And I think, again, for us, that's kind of the lasting message I want to leave here. And we take our cue today from this article that, on the surface, can seem like a really negative one. Someone losing their faith. And we should pray for this guy from Hawk Nelson, the lead singer. But let's also look in the mirror. Let's hold up to the mirror our God. Many of us proclaim that we believe in God. Many of us grew up in Christian homes or some variation of faith. And I think it's important that we always test that, for lack of better terms, that we go to God with our concept of Him, our ideas, our theology, our thoughts after Him, and we, we make sure that they're 
correct and not getting a lot of that dung grappled up on it, you know, wrapped up in all this other stuff. Asking God to clean off the crap, to get rid of the extra and help us to see God and live as followers of God, as followers of Christ without all that extra stuff. And I think that's going to benefit you, benefit me, benefit our world far better than if we have an inauthentic faith and we're just standing on a stage pretending or sitting in an office cube or driving in whatever job we have. Let's be real. Let's be sincere. Let's be genuine. Let's be honest about our doubts and about our faith, the things that we're grappling with. It's okay. God knows it anyways, but let's be better at being real and authentic with each other and accepting each other wherever we're at on the spiritual journey. And just like that, folks, we are here at the end of another episode of this podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. If you liked what you heard, please be sure and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. As always, we hope you enjoyed this and all of our episodes on the Cultured Christian Podcast. Please join the conversation over on our Reddit. Also like and interact with us on our Instagram and Facebook page. Lastly, if you have feedback or topic ideas, email them to culturedchristians at gmail.com or share via text or voicemail at area code 810-207-5717. We would love to hear from you, the listener, some more topics that you'd like to hear on a future episode. So please do utilize those uh, opportunities for you. And as always, we'll see you in the next one. Thank you.